Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beach is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What's going on? Welcome to and Bell. Hanging out on a Tuesday. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you, you brother. Good uh, Martin Luther King Day. I did, yeah. Slow Fantastic. motion. Yep. Good. Good for you guys. Spent some family good stuff. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Literally 30 seconds ago, uh-huh. I sent a tweet and I directed it directly towards Roger Goodell. Okay. I need change to happen on these overtime rules. And I yeah. thought, what better way? Go right to, to it. it than right to the source. Yeah. He actually, Quinn did a great job cutting up a video of what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I was like, we need to go to uh, college overtime rules. Yeah. It would be perfect. It would be much better. Do you think it even comes no. close? <laughs> Not even. You don't think he ever just opened no. it up? No. He definitely no. doesn't, does he? No. Yeah. Like, dude's got 25,000 tweets at him about yeah, the debacle. Yeah, not verified. How about, like, I wasn't here yesterday, obviously. First yeah. of all, you know there's a young dude, like, Francis Tiafo. Do you know who he is? Yeah, what were you talking about? Because I saw... Like, he's a tennis player. I mean, Roger... I mean, uh, Rafael I saw Nadal Marty beat him. tennis player, say shout-out to Foe. It's a black dude, bro. Yeah, that's like, what he was talking he, about. It, that, when's the last time we had, like, a, 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 a American, like... James Blake. I mean, James Blake, yeah. but he's been retired now yeah, for, for a long time. Anyway, I was pretty excited about nice. that. Nice. Um, <laughs> we'll break that down in leftovers. <laughs> um, what was I going to say to you about the – Roger Goodell. Okay, so I wasn't here yesterday. Yeah. I, I had asked for, like, good games for this round, right? Like, got good it. games. We got them. Yeah. And then all my – like, anybody could talk about was the damn – like, the, the way they kind of came down to the end and that they were botched. Like, I thought that was bad for the NFL. I thought it was – like, it was good and bad. The games are great, but, like, you can't leave that weekend with the only topic being – how those games yeah. were ruined. Well, the one game was definitely ruined. Yeah, but even the overtime in the other one, like you were left you were with me. You would have said, Hey, go with, go with the college rules. So both teams get a chance to have the ball. I would, I think it makes so much sense. It's like too much. It's common sense. I, I think, and I think college overtime is the most exciting overtime in sports outside of the soccer shootout. You know what I'd really like them to do? I'd like them to play another quarter. I'd like them to play another quarter football. And then if you told me at the end of that, we didn't have a winner. Obviously, we can't keep playing more quarters. Then I would go to the college thing where we soccer are. Soccer influence. That's what nope. soccer does. I don't like that. Like, how's another quarter of like great quarterback play and high? Like, I don't see how that's bad, but I would support, like, if you told me that's just never going to happen. Right. Then I would support the college system, and but they need to go back. They need to start at about the 40. So then it's yeah. harder for the kickers. The kickers are better. Correct. Force a little bit more offense into play. You have to do a little bit more to earn a chance for a field goal. I just think it would be awesome. I don't think that rule is changing. But you know what I do think is changing? Oh. I don't love it. Uh, is the review. Because the one thing, as you mentioned, that, that really, and it's really grown. The conversation has not stopped. And I don't know when it does. Um, is the conversation surrounding the officials from Sunday, specifically in New Orleans, right. when you had Nikel Roby Coleman, Basically run into Tommy Lee Lewis way before. Not only was it pass interference, it was debatable if it was a helmet to helmet. Correct. And officials are taught with player safety, when in doubt, throw the flag. Not on pass interference, but when when there's a helmet to helmet, when in doubt, throw the flag. And for two guys that look like they had pretty good position to sit there and not do anything is an egregious offense. And everybody is in, everybody is pretty much admitting that. Is that a reviewable thing? Like, so pass interference is not reviewable nope. right now, right? Um, debatable whether that changes or not. That's the conversation the NFL okay. is having. So if you know you botched that and you're sitting in the control booth, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, can you call helmet to helmet without there being a flag on the field? Can the review booth come in and say, hold tight, we need to check this out, could have been helmet to helmet? No, so here's the problem with a lot of these solutions that people are coming up to because the, the NFL said they would consider reviewing uh, pass interference calls. If a flag isn't thrown, 
that's not what they're talking about. So it still would have been a mistake. Still would have, they would have. So now if you would have thrown the flag and it wasn't pass interference, then they could call it off. Yeah. But it's my understanding that you have to throw the flag first. I just, it scares me because I think it's going to slow the game down sure. where it comes to a crawl. Even in the Patriots Chiefs games, there were several reviews and they got them right. There was, uh, the Edelman catch. There was a Chris Hogan no catch. There were several. It was plays. Chris Hogan like, catch. They got wrong. Was that the one they got? I thought yeah. they, no, he didn't catch it. No, they didn't gave they him a catch. They, they gave did. him a catch on one of them. Yeah. They did not yeah. catch it. But they, but that's my thing. And the Julian Edelman, uh, fumble. They got that right. Or not. I, I had people swear to me that he touched it. I thought they got that right. I did too, but yeah. I don't think it's a hundred percent right. Uh, I think there was like, I think if you pulled 10 people, I think six people would say he didn't touch it. And I think four people would say, no, really? he might have touched it. I mean, they gave other angles where he had, I know, like, but it was a like, lot of, you don't, you don't know for sure. I don't yeah. even think it clears up anything for sure. Here's the sad part about it. If they would have thrown the penalty, even without review, they could have all thrown the penalty, come up, huddled, and said, no, I saw it better. Let's not call it. Right. Or you were right. Like, let's keep it on. Right. It's just, it really, you are right because it did muddy things up from what was an incredible weekend. I'm actually. That's the equivalent of like having, that's the equivalent of a football team driving down, icing the game, having like four seconds on the clock and giving your field goal kicker a chip shot to win the game and him hooking it. Yeah. From an official's perspective. Blowing that call. Right. With with everything on the line Absolutely. in that game is the equivalent of you missing a chip shot to win the game. I'm okay with error. I'm okay with some human error. Like that's awful. It'll be talked about a long time. But it's kind of to your point. Like players have error all the time. Sure. Like and they they get cut. That's the thing I think that should be happen is there should be accountability to the right. refs. Do I said this yesterday? I'm curious to know your standpoint. I think NFL refs are too old. Okay. If you look at them, they're a bunch of older guys. Right. A lot of them look like they're, and it's, I don't know if I'm t- breaking any kind of laws with age discrimination. But you're not but like hiring them, so. <laughs> NBA refs are for the most part, like, what's an old NBA ref? 50? Probably, Maybe yeah. They're in There's really a good use- shape. Yeah. They're all in good shape. Yeah. They can run around. They can run up and down the court. In the NFL, you see a lot of refs who don't look like they're in the best shape. They're getting older. And I think they have a struggle getting in the right position to get the best view of these calls. And I think it, I think it hurts the product. Look, yeah, maybe I'll give yeah. you that. Like, I mean, it, it, you know, but- who didn't hold back was uh the uh, owner from the Saints, Gail Benson. Yeah, uh, she put out a statement that was pretty harsh on the NFL and said, you know, basically called out the NFL, daring them to fine her. It was like, I, I've been in touch with the NFL regarding yesterday's events and will aggressively pursue changes in NFL policies to ensure no team and fan base is ever put in a similar position. Eh, I'm sure she's fired up. They have every right to be it. I just. I worry that all right. So if you're going to review pass interference, are you going to start reviewing holding calls? Like no, are I you, mean like yes. But when you open up Pandora's box. That's like, what you can't I worry review about. Every single like possible foul in a in a game, any game. You can't but see, do that. I think that's the Pandora's box that you would open Look, up. That's why I think you should leave it as it is and say that was one of the worst calls we've ever seen, and really hope it doesn't happen again. The jury's out for me on whether or not you you should be able to review it. But I can sit here and say they got screwed, right? Like, like, like I, I don't they know totally that you need did. to make changes, but, but under the current, like, rules, you were, you were screwed in them. You, you know were, why I don't you feel, lost the chance at a Super Bowl. You know why I don't feel really bad for the Saints? Because they had multiple red zone opportunities in the first quarter. Yeah. Field goals. They had a 13-0 lead and blew it. 
They got the ball back in overtime with a chance to drive the field, just like Brady and the Patriots did. They didn't. They couldn't get a stop. Like, I, there's a number of reasons. The craziest thing about all of this is that Greg Zerline's kick might be one of the greatest kicks you've seen in NFL history. 57 yards. And nobody's even talking about it. I know. Like, it was one of the most clutch kicks you'll ever see. But that was my point, right? It's a shame that you had all that good stuff take place over the weekend in terms of the football games themselves. And what yeah. we're left talking about is whether you should change the overtime rule because Patrick Mahomes didn't get a chance right. to drive his team down the field and whether the Saints got screwed by a no call on the pass interference so the patriots definitely did not get screwed a lot of people did that didn't want to see the patriots yeah. make the super bowl because here they are yet again and it wasn't that long ago probably about exactly a year ago that most people in our business talking about the patriots said man there is a rift i was one of them there is a rift between brady and belichick and Kraft. there's a power struggle this is the end of the dynasty you had the alex guerrero his personal trainer controversy where belichick kicked him out of the room Last year, going into the Super Bowl, I was like, it won't affect them. They'll be able to focus. But this offseason, Brady doesn't go to OTAs. He spends time away, and you're like, all right, maybe it is there. Then there's several videos after the game on the field of Belichick coming up to Brady saying, I love you. Uh, you're the best. Brady's re uh, reciprocating, saying, yeah, I love you too. Brady now comes out on his weekly spot on his radio show on WEEI and said, we've always gotten along great. We've worked together for 19 years, so we've had the same goals in mind for 19 years. He's been just a great mentor in my life, a great coach. He's taught me more than anyone ever could about the game of football. I've always just loved playing here and playing for him. He's the greatest coach of all time, and we've just had some incredible moments together. I call BS. I don't think he loves Bill Belichick. Okay. I think they have a respect for each other. Right. And they have a working relationship, but I don't think they're buddy buddy like hanging out during the offseason. I don't think there's a problem with that. I think I think they exist together and they realize they have a common goal, which is what he's saying. Yeah, I I, I think you're on to something. I don't know that they like love each other and want to be like on the French Riviera together for vacations or anything <laughs> right. like that, you know, but I can't I do think that he can in big picture, like in the grand scheme of things, love what his time has been with Bill Belichick, if that makes sense. Love yeah. what Bill Belichick has done for him like they've you know what is it five super bowls is it, it like uh nine straight yeah. NFC? like you can love that and love your work relationship and still not love the person you work with if that you know what i Absolutely. mean like so i tend to agree with you look where there's smoke there's fire sometimes there's been enough like back and forth to know that there is some sort of little power struggle there whether it's brady getting older and not wanting to be you know the the, the young jit of a quarterback anymore and wanting to be kind of more on a on an even playing field with Belichick or not, but th there is love for what they've been able to achieve together there in New England. They've had a working relationship for a long time. If you work for any with anybody for 19 years together, yeah. there's going to be ups and downs. There are going to be disagreements. Like Tom, Tom Brady's not Bill Belichick. With, I mean, Tom Brady's not Tom Brady without Bill Belichick, and vice versa, probably. Right, you right. know what I mean? They, like, there's got to be a absolutely. I do think Brady has gotten fed up, and I think. There were times because uh, Belichick famously has come up to him in practice and said that high school quarterback is better than you. And early in his career, I'm sure that resonates and that sends a message. He's like, all right, you know, it's, I'm firing me up. But I bet the last five, six years, that kind of stuff gets old when he comes up and berates you in front of the team just to show that you're just one of the guys. And when he kicks your personal trainer out, you probably are expecting a little bit of preferential treatment because you feel like you've earned it. Yeah. And I do think that was a very real issue. But again, and this is what I thought last year, I thought they would work past it because they realized they have a common goal and they would be able to get through it. And that's why I think they're here. Yeah, and look, that may rub you the wrong way. Like when you're in year 16, yeah. you don't want a guy coming up and saying that high school quarterback's better than you. Like, but I mean, you're, you're also the guy that, that 
thinks the world is against you if you're Tom Brady. You're the one putting up these videos of like, uh, you know, many men wish that upon me. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then like, we ain't going. <laughs> like, you're that guy. Right. So you're looking for any kind of little motivational tool. And we've talked about this on the show, right? So Bill Belichick is providing that for you in his own sure. way, right? Like, that's his way of being able to challenge you and try to tap into like this. Hey dude, don't, don't, don't start reading your own clippings. You're and, not the goat yet. And that keeps the team. If your team doesn't run at like a well-oiled machine, like San Antonio, like, like new England, you can't sustain that type of greatness. Even if you have great players, yep. there has to be some accountability uh, and some checks and balances. And Bill Belichick has those even with Tom Brady, even with coaches that I've had and clearly never had anywhere near the amount of a longevity that Brady had. But like, You've never heard me say a bad thing about Mark Rick, right? Like, I always no, defended him at Georgia. Correct. He was a great coach, thought he was good at Miami, thought he could have been the right one for the program. There were times I didn't like him. Sure. There were times he threatened to bench me, and I was like, that's messed up. Like, right. hey, I'm here, but I had to fight back and earn my job. I had to earn his respect. Other places I've been, I've been, you know, benched before, cut before, and there were, like, I hated those guys in that moment. But yep. now, like, removing myself, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I can see why they did that. Like, sure. totally. That's just... That's part of working relationships is figuring out ways to kind of smooth over those rough patches. And when there is an authoritative figure and somebody who's underneath them, which is sort of the coach-player relationship, a lot of times you kind of have to suck it up and get past that stuff, which yeah. isn't a whole lot of fun to do. And sometimes it's miserable when you're in the middle of it, but it's just kind of how it works. Well, that's the thing. When you're in it, sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees, right? Like right. you're just you're in it, you're you're consumed by it, and then you know you step away. Like Jerry Sloan, like you use Mark Rick, Jerry Sloan. Some tough times with Jerry, like. You know, some tough times, like just both physically, verbally, and, and, you know, we didn't win all the time, and, you know, maybe I thought I should have been playing more, but we, we'd hash this out, and I'd go to him and have conversations, and I knew I was letting him down at times, and he, his attitude reflected that towards me, and I hated it, and then, but in retrospect, once I left there, I was a better man for all of that. Right. And so I hold Jerry in the highest regard of coaches, you know, even though those times were tough, like he meant a lot to me, both as a player, Help me with my career and as a man, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so, sure. you know, with a little perspective, you know, you, things change. You know whose relationship is just peachy right now? Oh. Is Patrick Mahomes and his head coach, man. Reed, because they haven't even had much adversity yet. Now they will because they just lost at home. It's another one, but it wasn't Patrick Mahomes' fault. Andy got coached again, bro. You think I so? do, I do. I didn't, what I know part? I wasn't the here to break half it down. The, the, I, not the first half. Like yeah, adjustments. It, it looked, it looked like first half they were, he was overwhelmed. Um, and then for the life of me, and I know, I know the game didn't boil down to this, but it did. Like, how does Julian Edelman just continue to eviscerate the middle of your defense? Like, I don't understand how no adjustment is ever made in regards to that. Offensively, they came out and made the adjustments, but I just See, felt like they never. Here's the problem. And this is where the Chiefs are actively having, quote, internal discussions on possibly firing Bob Sutton, their defensive uh, coordinator, sorry. because Andy Reid is the defense or the offensive mastermind. He's right. always been that. And then he kind of leaves the defense to his defensive yeah, coordinators. Yeah, I hear you. And there was they, they did get out coached on that side of the ball yeah. specifically because they just got worked uh, as they have all season long. It's all under your spot. purview, Andy. Yeah. Sorry, dude. There was a report that came out about Patrick Mahomes that he could possibly be the first two hundred million dollar quarterback yeah i think it was like of course like i don't know why people are surprised about this it's not gonna happen until i think 2020 was the year is that right uh coca is it yeah. 2020 or 2021 whenever he's up and available he can be available after extension. 2019 for his first first extension he's definitely gonna be that now the question that i have that'll be more interesting is what is the guaranteed money is that because i don't think it'll be 200 million guaranteed you just don't see those it probably should be but you've got Matt Ryan up there now who's at 90, around 90. You've got uh, Matt Stafford who's around 90. Kirk Cousins had a fully guaranteed, but it was only 84. three years at 84. Yeah. He's probably going to have guaranteed 
over a hundred. I would guess probably 125. Yeah, I think. But like it's twenty. But for people that are like, it's it's just the what? norm. Like, of course he is. Like, I don't know why people were surprised to hear this. The guy just had a a crazy season that we haven't seen before of a player his what? his age. Of course he's going to get paid. He had one of the like one of three seasons with what 50 plus TDs. Right, he's the third quarterback in NFL history. Um, I, I it, contracts are timing, right? Like so. Yes, they are. The next guy's always going to get more money um, in, in, when, when you're dealing with, like, great quarterbacks, right? Like, yep. the, the next guy's always going to set the bar for the contract. So when his time comes around, he will be setting the bar in terms of what the market is for, for franchise quarterbacks. I guess my question is yours. Like, why? He's going to. I mean, I don't like, know why, why not? surprised or like, oh. Do you think like this a, is a flash in the pan type of no, deal? Like, I, think people, people just, I think people are shocked at the 200 number because we haven't seen it in the NFL before. Well, the but salary cap keeps going up. Absolutely. Every single year you're seeing new guys break that barrier. The total value of Matt Ryan's is 150. Easily this year you'll see. So I don't even know who. Look, if Jimmy Garoppolo can get $137 exactly. million dollars for doing games. nothing. Exactly. Only playing five games. He's Matthew Stafford ain't never won a thing. He's making $135 million. Has he won anything? Here's here's hold on, but if you look at this list, only two of those teams made the playoffs. Well, that's what I was. Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. But here's it. So why are we why are we going to pay quarterbacks that much money if it hurts the rest of your team? That's a whole different conversation. But here's the here's the here's the issue, and this is where I think the Chiefs need to be very extremely aggressive this year while he still is on his rookie deal. Is you go out, you sign everybody you can on the defensive side of the ball because they look pretty good on the offensive side right. of the ball. They got, they got all the weapons in the world, but obviously the defensive side has been overlooked some. They did have an injury or two that hurt them on the defensive side of the ball, but if they get that defense corrected, they'll be right back in that same home field advantage in the playoffs because Patrick Mahomes, that's not a one hit wonder. That's not a wait till the NFL sees him on tape and catches up. No. He is here to stay. And I said yesterday, I'm curious, you grew up a Dan Marino fan, right? Yeah. I think what he is, is he's this era's Dan Marino. Because Dan Marino burst on the scene. He threw 48 touchdowns yeah. uh, in 1984. And then he never went away and was like this prolific passer throughout. I think he's an elite quarterback already. We have that conversation all the time. Sure. I don't need to see anything more from Patrick Mahomes. He's there. I I was not – you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I was like, the 49ers are a little bit crazy after only five games. Right. That to me is a huge risk, and they're going all in. This guy, I would have no problem saying 200 mil, whatever the price is. But Coker brings up a good point. What do you do with the surrounding pieces then? And that becomes an issue because you do start to get spread thin. We've seen the Seahawks fall apart since they've paid Russell Wilson. Right. They were a perennial Super Bowl contender. They haven't been the same. Brady is the one guy, and his name isn't up there very high because he always accepts less. Sure. There is a lot of speculation of what he gets behind the scenes, yeah. which you can take it for what you want. But right. there is some that Robert Kraft and him Several have some kind of backroom deal. But, hey, good for him. There's right. also speculation, well, hey, Giselle makes so much money that he can. Okay. I don't know whatever the reason is, but it is a huge advantage if your quarterback doesn't break the bank. Did you feel like Patrick Mahomes was overwhelmed by the moment? Not at the all. first half. No, I, th I thought it was really – so. The thing I've really admired from the Patriots, and I can't believe I didn't see this going in, is they were feeling like, hey, we're going to run the football. We're going to dominate the time. They just destroyed that. Patrick Mahomes was hardly on the field. Yeah, no rhythm. For about, exactly. And yeah. he, I think he is a rhythm-based player. I think all quarterbacks. Sure. You want to get out there. Get If you have a bad series, you want to get right back out there. Every time you're like, man, I might not see the field again. It's cold. It's just it has its impact. Okay. So I thought it was more of him just not getting Good. the opportunities right. there. I did think Jared Goff was shell-shocked in the first quarter. Right. Now – Kudos to him because he didn't phase him the rest of the game, no, he bought, which is what he, yeah. you have to do in that spot. 
Uh, Boogie Cousins is back for the Warriors two games in. It only took him about 15 seconds to make his impact in his first game when yep. he had the dunk down the middle of the lane that was wide open. I didn't, I didn't know this though. They're calling this the mega death lineup. Uh. That's corny. Um, yeah, I mean everything. I hope they don't name it, do they? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Company. They did the Hamptons thing. I don't know if they did. That was even worse. Uh, what have you seen from them? He says he's, uh, feels like a kid on Christmas. Probably one of the best days of my life being back on the floor playing the game that I love. I mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, he hasn't looked great just because he's, you could tell he's still trying to round into form. You know, he hasn't looked bad, but he's certainly not the boogie that, that you remember seeing in, in Sacramento and in New Orleans just because, you know, there's still, it takes a while for you to get, get moving again. You know what I mean? And get back into shape. But what you have is a guy who will definitely help you in the paint defensively. He's not a true shot blocker, but he's a big presence. He knows how to play positionally. So that will help. They were thin in that area. He will also help you rebound the ball there. The middle of the pack rebounding team, right? Um, He'll help in that regard. And I did see in the first game, he shot, what do you shoot? Three for four threes in the first game. He can space the floor, so he doesn't really hurt what you're trying to do in terms of all of that space that you're creating to let Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and even Draymond like kind of operate, you know, because he can step out and knock down three. So he's a really, really nice piece. This is early. Uh, there's a honeymoon period. Once he gets his legs under him, I will imagine he wants the ball a little bit more. Once he starts to demand that, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, whether, you know, relationships fray or, you know, what have you. But I, I've always said, I think you're going to get the best version of Boogie. And if he's healthy and he's productive, uh, they're going to be really, really, really tough. Yeah, his quote was, my teammates made it as smooth and easy as possible. It's a great group of guys. Nothing but love in the room. We really haven't practiced together. We can get a whole lot better. Yeah, it's all good. It's the honeymoon period now yeah. for sure. Do you think he needs to, like, his reputation isn't the best across the NBA, yeah. right? I mean, uh, a little bit of a guy, a coach killer when he was in Sacramento, didn't work out in New Orleans. Now here he is here. Do you think he needs to do anything differently? Like, as far as an image to rehab, does he need to, I don't know, like, what? do you see any issue with? I mean, I think most of his stuff is undeserved. Like, Boogie's one of those guys that, like, if you know what he does out in the community, like, philanthropic-wise, like, he's beloved in, in Sacramento for what he does, like, charitable and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he was in a messed-up situation. Like, you're going to hang all of that dysfunction on Boogie. It's completely unfair. That whole thing was dysfunction from the top down. Uh, and in New Orleans, you just brought in two players that were, like, duplicates of yeah. each other. Like, that, he didn't really have a problem with anybody. That just wasn't going to ever work with him in AD. So... Does he need to rehab his image? Probably. Is it fair that he needs to rehab his image? No. It's not his fault. He's a really, really good player. Um, I, so I, I think haven't heard be good many for people him. defend, uh, DeMarcus Cousins the way you do. Like, yeah. I, and I think it's, I appreciate you doing that because I think sometimes it just becomes a narrative and it's easily repetitive and you see correct out there. You the know? media, the media fuels that. Like, I think if you got down, now there are going to be guys on his team that don't like Boogie. But there were guys on Michael Jordan's teams that didn't like Michael Jordan. Right. Plenty of them that he punched in the face, that he like, you know, was overbearing with. You could go find them. The media just don't want to talk about that because Mike is Mike. Yeah. You know, like Boogie's an easy target. And so, you know, again, there's some fairness. Like guys are human beings. But I think generally speaking, the way he's been painted is a little bit unfair. Here's what worries me about the Warriors. And I'm going to be honest. And I do think he'll help with their defensive presence in the paint. They're number 16 in the league in terms of defensive efficiency right now. I went all the way back to like 2008. Every team that's won a championship, and I didn't have time to go back further than that, right? Mm-hmm. Every team that's won a championship since then has been top 10 defensive efficiency in the league. No matter where you fell in offensive efficiency, because they're number one there. Right. So if he doesn't get you up in the upper echelon of defensive teams in the league, if you're going to be mired in the middle of the pack, while I still believe you can win, 
it becomes exponentially harder. Here's where I think it's not an issue because I, and I think this is what drives Steve Kerr nuts. I think it's all effort and I think they know it and they're like, man, we don't have to play a lot of defense now, but once the playoffs start yeah. and they need it, they can amp it up and then they can get it there yeah. because their years that they've won, they've always been in the top 10, even the top five. They've Correct. Been one of the better defensive teams. So I do feel like they'll just flip the switch. You know, it doesn't need to flip the switch as far as the jump shots, Clay Thompson, because he had his first 10 threes in a row yeah. to tie an NBA record. He finished 10 of 11. Uh, 44 points in just 27 minutes. It's absurd when you see dudes do this, but that's, he's done this before when he's had, you know, these quarters where he goes off. He's as streaky hot as it gets. A month ago, we were talking about this guy having yeah, like a, a career fuck. worst year. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's a shooter shoot. Like Correct. Shooting your shot until you find your way out of it. So it is a pretty good lesson, like for kids to learn. Don't let it wreck your confidence. Don't, you know, don't be afraid to keep going out there. If you're a shooter, keep shooting. It's a law. It's the law of averages, man. If you're a 40, 45% three point shooter and you miss 10 in a row, like the odds of you making the next eight or nine are pretty good. Like, do you know what I mean? And so you, you, yeah, you have to stay the course. You have to continue to shoot the ball. Um, you know, and, and Clay, Clay wasn't tripping off of that. Again, this is a lot like media driven. Players aren't tripping off of that. They're going to come out there and keep shooting. His teammates know, know what he does in practice. They see him go 87 for 100 yeah. shooting threes. Like they know what he can do. Yeah. They're not worried about him at all. And he'll keep shooting and he'll keep making them. No doubt about it. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Are in a little bit of a controversy. I think it's kind of weak because the Philly voice has uh, a writer. Yeah. Joe. Santa, Santa Luquido. Oh. Santa Luquido. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I would read you Debo's comments on him, but I don't know if they're acceptable for air, but he wrote a piece and it was kind of, I have a problem with, with, uh, writers that just write these hit pieces and yeah. what it feels like. Cause he goes, he basically goes after Carson Wentz and has a lot of negative things about him saying that he's a selfish player. Right. Uh, that players in the locker room don't love him, that okay. they really love Nick Foles, quote, universally loved. Uh, Carson Wentz he isn't. He said the true Wentz is more nuanced and complicated with sources. Okay. Of course they're anonymous. Describing him as quote, selfish, uncompromising, egotistical, one who plays favorites and doesn't like to be questioned, one oh. who needs to practice what he preaches and fails to take accountability. These are ridiculous quotes and from unnamed sources. Yes. Like, I, first of all, I'm mad at the dude, the dude who wrote this piece. Right. I'm more mad at the player if there even is one. Like I'm assuming there is, but if there is one, like I would if I'm the Eagles, I'm like looking into this, like trying to find out from the dude who it is and weeding it out and saying this is a major problem because you just can't have this. Several players came out in his defense um and backed him. Like his uh, Nate Sudfeld who's in the quarterback room with him. And then I was like, "All right, maybe it's an offensive versus defensive and maybe there are some defensive players, but clearly not. Fletcher Cox uh Cox came out and defended him as well, saying, reading through this Carson Wentz thing and as a leader on this team, none of that is true. Carson is a great teammate and great player. We are all behind him 100%. He's our guy and we'll go back and prove the whole world wrong. Malcolm Jenkins, another defensive player. Y'all are getting out of control. Good teammate, check. Soon to be a league MVP, check. Eagles starting QB, check. Now go to sleep. Y'all messing me up. My time. The damage is already done, though. This is what drives me nuts about this reporter who can just do this, get the clicks, and then he just runs off and doesn't have to be held accountable for this. Yeah, uh, so a couple things. One, uh, how many people are on an NFL team? 50-something? 53 on the active roster, and they got seven or eight uh, practice squad. On a team of 53 people who have had circumstances like the Eagles have had in terms of their quarterback position, yep. uh, you're, you're going to have some different opinions. Yep. Like, so... As, as, as who should the starter be and who were the best, um, with 
playing quarterback. Who who the be- who gives us the best chance when they're playing quarterback, right? There'll be a, a difference of yeah, opinion. for sure. But most people probably universally think Carson Wentz is a good dude, right? You can have that difference yeah. of opinion as to who the guy is. For sure. And still not throw Carson under the bus as a person, right? right. So, like, I'll forgive there being a difference of opinion on who the guy should be. Uh, but when this guy comes out and writes an article like this, what you have to do as a franchise is get together, circle your wagons as a, as an as a as a front office group, mm-hmm. um, and figure out how you're gonna deal with him. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Like that. I know he's. I don't know what legally you can do, right? But if this guy's in your locker room trying to drum up stories like this, as divisive as they can be in a community and amongst the team, like he has to have access stripped from him. Like there has to be ramifications for this writer from the team itself. He says the writer claims he had a half dozen players who spoke anonymously. Uh, he never asked Carson Wentz about it, never went to Doug Peterson about it. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, Carson Wentz has been everything you've wanted in your franchise quarterback. He does amazing things in the community. He's always at the Super Bowl last year. He was rooting for his team, even though he wasn't playing. And I'm sure there's a part of him. And I, I just don't get why this guy would feel the need to write this. I just don't think. Uh, well, Debo you, said, you know well, why, bro? You get like, we're talking about it. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I mean, that's why, right? Like, that, yeah. But uh, something that uh, Debo actually just said. Something for Carson Wentz is beca- he's becoming more mature and accepting criticism and listening to coaches, willing to adapt. That's the fair point of the article uh, from our Philly insider right here, Eric Debo. Darren. So when when <laughs> look when people are in your locker room writing articles like that, and you're responsible for keeping that that thing together, you have to get to the root of this. Like, you have to have. There's got to be communication with. I'm calling him today if I'm the GM. Yo, dude. Yeah. What's the deal? Like, what 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 are we doing here? Like, what What's the end goal with this? Where'd you get, you know what I mean? Right. I need to know. Right. And That's, if I, if I have to, I will. Hey, listen, bro, don't. If you're the player you. himself, do you, if you're Carson Wentz, do you try to track him down? I would have a hard time not tracking him down. You'd be tempted to, but you can't win. Yeah. Like if you're Carson Wentz, right? Like, and he's painted you in this light. Um, if you fire back at him or you come asking, oh, what's his next article going to say? Hold on a second. Yeah. Debo just sent me a quote from the writer who went on a radio interview. Yeah. His quote, this makes me want to fly up there and smack him. <laughs> I'm the best thing to ever happen to uh, Carson Wentz. Enough. He'll be more motivated now. Enough. This dude. Yeah, I've heard enough. Oh, I've heard. All right. Well, I don't want to yeah. waste any more time talking about this guy because he's a clown. Yeah. Welcome back. Canel and Bell finished off some leftovers. So there is a situation developing at the Senior Bowl. Okay. There is a player, Western Illinois defensive tackle, Kalen Saunders. Mm-hmm. He's also known as the 320-pound backflip guy. Oh, Apparently that's what he's famous right. for. Something on YouTube, I'm sure. I'll have to check it out. So he's at the Senior Bowl, obviously playing at Western Illinois, not as well known as some of the other players. Yeah. So he needs this. So apparently his fiance, he just found out, went into labor in Chicago. Right. They had discussed the possibility that she's actually due on January 31st. So they didn't think, but they said, hey, if there's a, if there's something happens. That he has agreed he needs to stay. At the bowl game. At the bowl game. Huge opportunity to increase his draft stock. Laser locked on the game. Agreed. I do too. Agree. I, did you ever have a situation where you, any of your four children, where there was an issue where you had to miss time? No, and my wife will forever hate the doctors in Phoenix because they actually induced her. She right. wasn't really ready, so I didn't have to miss a playoff game against the Lakers. So you did something to take it in your own hand. I didn't do it. <laughs> oh, we went in under – no, I didn't. We went – listen, it's funny. We went in like – it was like a little false labor, right? Yeah. So we went in, and she was not ready, like not like not dilated, right. water hadn't broken and stuff like that. But we're in there, and the doc's a huge Suns fan. And so the doc was like, 
you know, she did it. She took it upon herself to like, she was like, set us up in a room, induced the labor, got it all done. My wife went through like, I don't know, like 14 hours of like labor, no epidural, like nothing. <laughs> so I could play in the game. It's <laughs> fantastic. I think being there for the birth, obviously, if you can be there, you yeah. want to be there. But I think in, in situations like this, yours, where you're an NBA player and you're making a bunch of, you know, you got your livelihood. Yes. There's only a limited window of when you can be there. 82 games in your place or a playoff when there's even less NFL game. There's only 16 regular games, playoff games, limited opportunities. I think being there is way overrated. Correct. And for people that say, well, what type of message are you sending? You have the rest of your life to be a good dad. Correct. Which you should be. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. You be for there. sure. Just cause you're there. Being there for your wife doesn't make you a good dad, doesn't make you a good husband. I think, yeah, you would like to be there. I was there for all my kids' births because I wasn't sure. playing anymore. Yeah, I got lucky was, too. I would miss our show. Like, yeah, for sure. There. For but sure. like if there was an opportunity to play, and my wife actually, we actually talked about this when we were dating, and she was in full agreement. She's like, no, you need to be there. She's yeah. Like, your, your time expires. You can't do it your whole life. You have the rest of your life to be a dad and to be a good dad. And she knew I would, and she's like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I'm and a- like the funny thing to me is what are you going to do? Like, you don't really lend that much support to your no, wife. Oh, exactly. And, and they're pregnant. No. I mean, during and if the anything goes wrong, because a lot of people come back and the pushbacks, what if something goes wrong? What if something goes wrong? I can't do anything. The right. doctors are going to do anything. You know, they're going to do something. And I would get there as soon as I could. I, as soon as after, you know, I would be there. I would have missed a regular season game. Yeah. Because like, we had 82 of them. Right. Like in, it's it's different. Yeah. Sometime during February, I would have missed one. I right. I won the night off anyway. Right. But I wouldn't miss a playoff game. I would, right. I would have done the playoff thing. Right. Yeah. That's why I'd want you on my team. Yeah. Uh, you know who nobody wants on their team seemingly is Carmelo Anthony. Hey. <laughs> hey. The Houston Rockets, they have agreed to send Carmelo Anthony and cast the Chicago Bulls. And yet the Bulls have no, uh, no intentions to play him. They will not immediately waive him. They could use him in a one for one trade before the trade deadline. For Anthony, this gives him the freedom to survey the league's roster landscape post trade deadline and find the best fit for him. There was some rumor about the Lakers having some interest in Carmelo. But they have no plans to waive a player to create a roster Bruh. spot. That's going to be a bad, that's Bruh. a bad idea. No. You don't want to see that happen. No, yet. I do not. I am, ant- <laughs> listen, I love Mello. Mello is a great Done. player. It's time. Everybody knows that I, do you think he's coming to that realization? No, not yet. Because <laughs> everybody outside yet. realizes it except for him. I still see he's got IG videos up. He's working on his game. I respect that, but yeah, it's time, bro. Yeah. I don't know if he should. Um, baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. I know this is just a riveting topic that you really are waiting to dive into and look at some of to see if Edgar Martinez is going to get in or not. Fired up. Um, do you have a problem? Because I don't care who gets in. I the the probably the conversation I least like to have is whether a guy's deserving of a Hall of Fame or not. I just don't care. Like if right. they'll get in, if not. But do you have a problem if guys who used PEDs, no. use steroids, are in Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens no. specifically? Are the guys that are on the outside? I have no problem. First of all, I don't care if you use PEDs. I've said that repeatedly. I don't care. Right. Like it makes me watch something that's better. Like you know what I mean. Like if it enhances your ability to do something that I, you know, enjoy watching, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Like nobody cares if Hollywood uses steroids to enhance their bodies for their action <laughs> right. films. Like why do we care if athletes use them? But I really don't. And here's why. And because I'm all jokes aside, like Barry Bonds was phenomenal before. Like his hat size increased by three sizes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And before yeah. he started hitting 60 home runs every year, right. he was phenomenal. Yep. You know, you could say the same about, I don't, you, I don't believe Roger Clemens to have used steroids from the beginning. He probably used them as he got older to, to help the recovery and, and, you know, so on and so forth. So I, I really don't have a problem with them being in the Hall of Fame. Plus everybody and their mother, I'm just assuming was using some sort of steroids, Especially like all of the good in ones that era. in that era, Especially right? Especially in that era. I think they should just have 
a section of the Baseball Hall of Fame, just a wing, and just have it. They're obviously not going to call it the PED wing. Right. But you put it like the 80s and 90s, <laughs> separate them <laughs> over there. Little... Maybe even you put an asterisk next to the guys that did yeah. test positive and they did catch and put them in there and say, all right, but they're still, you can't take away their greatness. Can't you make an, can't you make a, like an argument for if you really wanted to go away, just put them in and let it go. Right. Then just, nobody ever, no one's going to, everyone's going to forget about it. No one's going to care. Just put them in. Right. Right. There will be people that are pious and higher than mighty. Okay. Now, and they'll, they'll always be those. Right. Exactly. They'll get over it. Right. Like they're where they can keep writing their articles. They can do whatever they It'll want. They'll go away. Did you see play? So I played minor league baseball. And it was 2001 when they did their hearings before Congress was 2003. So this was when it was right when Barry Bonds and Sosa were, or excuse me, uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were doing the, the, you know, 61 home run chase and they were going at it with each other. Steroids were so wide open. It was such not a big deal. I was shocked. Right. And it was with minor league baseball and there were dudes that would come in and they'd be like, Hey, who's shooting me up today? Like it was that obvious. They would leave the bottles. Like just out in the open, yeah. Clubhouse just pop them like it wasn't were, a big deal. Yeah. It was not a big deal at all. And I'm assuming if that's the way it was on my team, it was probably that way at every everybody's team, even in the bigs, because it was kind of it wasn't enforced. It was just kind of a hey, everybody's doing it. They approached me, a couple guys did. Yeah, and I was like, well, I was like, I might go back to the NFL, which right. I ended up doing, and right. I didn't want to ruin my chances by a positive drug drug test. I just wasn't into it. But if I would have chosen baseball, there's probably a good chance I would have tried it. Yeah, like and. Most of the guys that did it weren't shredded. They were a little bit out of shape, in fact. Yeah. They did it to because you had to play so many games. Right. It was for injuries. It was for longevity. They were all A lot of guys were older at older points in their career. Sure. They were still going to do it. I never got approached by anyone in the NBA. I was approached by a guy like in the offseason once, um, but it wasn't in vogue in the NBA. Like, if, And if it was, it wasn't out in the open. Like, I never saw anyone doing it or even talking about it. So it wasn't something that I was, like, really interested in doing. Um it would have been interesting had I known a bunch of people were doing it in the NBA. I'm with you. Like, I'm not all holier than thou. Right. There were a bunch of dudes doing it, and they were getting paid and, and being better players because of it. Right. I'm in. You got that guaranteed money. Yeah, dog, take, sign in. me up. Right. I'll take yeah. the fine. But it wasn't in the NBA, so. No. Yeah. All right. Check us out tomorrow. <laughs>